Hey everyone, and welcome to Comics from the Multiverse, the DC Comics podcast from the Melt Fuzz Network. I am Peter, and it's a dark, sad day. Because for the first time on this show, there's no Matt. And instead, it's just me and Connor. But you have a big ginger light to fill that hole. <laughs> that's... that's, that's, that's that's not, not filling a hole. This is, going to, this is going to be tough for Peter. Let's be honest. It, it, it's, it's gaping the hole wider, is what that's doing. It's not filling <laughs> it. It's just all it's doing is shining a light and making it more aware that there is a hole. <sighs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, Matt Matt's birthday's actually today, which is why he's not here. He's uh, off doing birthday related things, so you can't begrudge him too much. Uh, so it's just me and Connor this week, and of course Connor missed last week for. Luke Cage reasons, so um, yeah, that should, that should be an interesting show. But today, uh, we don't actually have a bunch of news, we'll get to that first, but what is coming up today in terms of reviews? We have the next two parts of Batman and the Night of the Monster Men in Batman issue 8 and Nightwing issue 6. We have Superman issue 8, Justice League issue 6, Green Arrow issue 8, Green Lanterns issue 8, Aquaman issue 8, Cyborg issue 2. We have three new miniseries starting this week. Dead Man and Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love, issue 1. Death of Hawkman, issue 1. Midnight on Apollo, issue 1. Then we have Connor's Corner with Harley Quinn, issue 5. And then we have our second issue 1 from the DC's Young Animal line, which is Shade, the Changing Girl, issue 1. So that's a lot of books, and they're all coming up uh, after the news. But we actually have quite a bit of news, because... Some just dropped this week, seemingly randomly, at the start of the week, and then some stuff dropped as we were getting into New York Comic Con, which is like going on right now. We're right in the middle of it. Yeah, it's kind of when we actually expected the news. Yeah. Because I think we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. There is a small chance that some more will drop tomorrow, and therefore it'll be in next week's show, but at least it seems that, you know... We've got enough. Yeah, there's, there's a decent amount here, actually, of, of things. So, let's go straight into it, because it's actually quite a... Yeah, otherwise we'll be here forever. Okay, a couple of quicker things before we get to the, the real meat. Um, John Boy Myers, who was the artist on Teen Titans Rebirth issue 1 and is still the artist on issue 1 of the, the ongoing, uh, is leaving after that issue. He's uh, leaving over creative differences. He was originally solicited for issues 3 and 4, but uh, that he will be replaced by a different artist. Not issue 2. Uh, the article didn't mention issue two. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was. Maybe, maybe, maybe he was. It just, oh. it just the way you go from rebirth one, three, and five would make sense if he needed a break for an issue. But it just, it's just weird. Maybe he's still doing issue two. Maybe, maybe it's just the way this is worded. Yeah, you know that's that's what it sounds like. But uh, yeah, uh, he did put out a statement saying it wasn't like a like a mean split, it wasn't like there's bad blood there now, it was just... It, it was no early New 52 editorial issues. It, it's Yeah, it seems like it was a mutual decision and he decided to leave the book. Uh, so hopefully he ends up on other stuff, because he has... I did, good... I did hear he has a habit of leaving books for these reasons, so... Really, so you think he's the one that's difficult to work with? Maybe I've I've heard someone when this story came up earlier in the week. I saw a few people say he's done this a few times in the past now. So, all right, okay, cool. Uh, next thing, another quick thing: um, Justice League v Suicide Squad is getting its price reduced. It was 
announced as all six issues being four ninety nine US dollars, but it will in fact now be three ninety nine per issue. So This is fantastic news. Cannot complain. Uh no reason was given. They just said it's happening and it's good. I mean page, that's, page count didn't drop, did it? No, still forty pages per issue. So uh you're saving six bucks over the whole thing now. That's nice. Yeah, no. I- I don't see how anyone could possibly spin this as a bad thing. Yeah, because it was going to be 30 for the whole, all six issues, now it's only 24. So, you know, it's a plus. I'll take, I'll take your word for it. Uh, what, what they might do as well is they might... Uh, I love how you can't do some simple <laughs> multiplication. You're just going to take my word for it. Uh, what they might... What I can see them doing, though, I can see it going the way of the Rebirth one-shot, where the reprints might be back up to the 499. Yeah, and it's fair enough, really. If you want it, you'll get it then. Otherwise, yeah. you're just kind of getting it for the, the hype and the reputation if you get it that much later, typically. Yeah, so, no, just quick bit of news and good news at that, so that's fine. So that, that balances out with that first bit of bad news because we like that his art on that issue, but... Uh, so well, yeah, I haven't read it yet. Good content, well. so, Which is going to be a shame because now when I read it, if I go, oh, I really like this art, it's going to be really disappointing. You're going to really like the art, Connor. Just yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really bittersweet, isn't it? I'm warning you. Yeah, Connor's not read all of his books from last week yet. Uh, he'll catch up for next week when all those books come back. Yeah, they they weren't priority for this week. Yeah, uh, with the exception, presumably, of Detective Comics, since it was but that's the only one yeah, from last week I've read. Yeah, part of the uh, the Monster Man crossover. All right, let's uh, get to the meat. Right, there's some good meat in your stories, and they're exciting. Oh, there so, we go. JLA. Written by Steve mm. Orlando. We have a roster. At least, I, I'm going to call this the starting roster because I don't think four is going to be the full number. It's, it's too small. Like, for, especially for a, a Justice League team, I think the mm. smallest you get away with is maybe six. Don't get me wrong. I can see that that's been the team for the first arc, maybe. But then I think they'll, you know. Maybe. Start. I still think we'll get at least one more. I think we'll get five for an arc. You think? Maybe. I mean, I can see why you wouldn't, given what some of the news is. Should I tell them the news then? <laughs> probably should. Yeah, I probably should. Okay, so the four members that they have announced is Killer Frost, Vixen, The Atom, and The Ray. It's a very uh, interesting lineup. It's a very weird lineup. That's <laughs> what I'd call I, it. I was, I was putting it mildly with it, interesting, but it, sure. It's an oddball uh, team, to say the least. Killer Frost, of course, is essentially going to be the clay face of this team to, to compare it to detective comics where there's oh a villain is now suddenly on team of heroes yeah i wonder if they give a reason for it in uh justice leave us suicide squad yeah there could be there I'll, I'll get to how it ties into things in a second i'm going to speculate though that part of the reason for this is that caitlin snow on the flash and the tv show is not a villain and i think I- fully think that is the reason yeah and i think they want to blur the lines a little bit so that people who you know watch the show decide to get into comics and they see her like you know it just makes it a bit more smooth for them i guess Uh, um but yeah so interesting mix obviously the atom is not ray palmer it's uh ryan Ryan Choi. yeah there you go i was worried i wouldn't remember his name there but yeah Uh, the, the new younger legacy version of the atom so yeah the news that comes along with this as well, of course, is that this will all spin out of Justice League versus Suicide Squad, and while that is going on in January, we're going to get weekly one-shots um, setting up this uh, this series. So each character is going to get one. Um, I don't have the order written down, but you know, one's the first week, one's the second week, so on. 
uh, and that they'll all be co-written, or I think one of them is just Steve Orlando, but the rest are all co-written, him and someone else, and it's just sort of him setting up all the characters. I, I, I'm going to assume that these are essentially all going to be rebirth issues that explain the backstory of all of them. It feels pretty much like that. I, I imagine the Atom one is where we'll get the the scene from Rebirth. Possibly, yeah. If not, maybe a mix of that and the actual origin of him as like when he first mm-hmm. became the Atom. I can see them all having that kind of yeah, it could well be thing in there. So that's going to be throughout January, and it is also worth mentioning that they confirmed that this will be a double shipping book. Mm. Uh, I, I can't remember which one of those one shots it is, but I know one of them's drawn, uh, drawn by uh, Stephen Byrne, who did the the last two issue arc of Green Arrow. So particularly excited for that. Mm. Uh, yeah, I do think it's kind of funny though that uh, the Ray Vixen Killer Frost and the Atom are in a double shipping book when other bigger characters are on single shipping books. But I guess it is strange. I guess they're really banking on the JLA name. Yeah, they they really are, and who knows? Maybe this will elevate them to. Yeah, you know, it bigger, might well. well and, and obviously, these these one shots are the reason that you assume that there's going to be just the four characters for that arc. Yeah, that that that, that would be why I say for the first. Which arc is it which is why I think we'll get those, and then we'll get one extra character where we'll explore them, and it they'll be like the focus character of the first arc. So because we because we'll already essentially know the other characters Maybe. through the through the one shots. And then we'll have one arc to, to anchor them together. I'm going to spin that around, actually. I'm going to say it won't be that. There'll be a fifth character, but the fifth character won't be the focus. The fifth character will be the person who puts them together. And it'll be mm. someone more established. And therefore, there'll be less focus on them because they're just there to sort of wrangle them into a team. Yeah, I can see the Lego in that. But yeah, so uh, that's uh, the GLA news. Uh, pretty cool stuff. But even more exciting than that, we got a... Uh, our first proper new book announcement, because we already knew about GLA, we already know about another book that we're going to be talking about in a minute, but Batwoman, a solo series ongoing uh, once per month uh, by Margaret Bennett. Is it Margaret? Is that how you used to say her name? Yeah, it's Margaret, I think. It's it yeah. it's it's how weird, I've been saying it. It's a weird spelling of Margaret, but it's Margaret. But I can't imagine how else you'd say it. Yeah, it's mm, Margaret. Yeah, it's Margaret. <laughs> yeah. I was going to pronounce it a weird way but I even think I can think of one that would make sense uh, but Margaret Bennett's going to be writing and it's going to have art by Steve Epton who's not uh, worked for DC in quite some time hmm. and the uh, the preview image they put out is just gorgeous yeah so that's the team on the ongoing it's starting February as is JLA uh, and it will spin out of a two issue arc of Detective Comics there's going to be a sort of two-parter called Batwoman Begins uh, obviously a little wink and nod to the the, the Nolan movie and that is uh, of course going to have James Tynion Fourth writing it but uh, also it's going to be co-written by Bennett as well but Tynion Fourth is also going to co-write the first arc of the ongoing series yes I believe this is a monthly book right monthly yeah yeah I'm very excited because I love Bennett as a writer I think she's fantastic I don't have you read much of her stuff? No, I've not read anything that she's done, but everyone else's enthusiasm is uh, enough for me to be interested. Yeah, she just started a book maybe last month or month before called Animosity. It's uh, basically all, all animals suddenly gain like human-like sentience and speech. And, you know, it's pretty pretty out there. Very good. Hmm. So, yeah, so that's uh, coming in February. And I, I think Tinian 
like obviously he's writing Detective anyway, so him co-writing that two-issue thing and then co-writing the first arc will probably serve as a very smooth transition so that Batwoman in the Soul series has the same voice, the same feels the same and all that kind of thing. And Tinian did also confirm that this does not mean that she's leaving tech. She's still going to be the yeah. the leader of the team in tech. I imagine that the point is that he's there just to get the voice right and maybe the overall direction, probably nothing more. And maybe some overall plot if it ties into other stuff. But the the real reason is this means it frees him up to do arcs focusing on other members of the team in Detective because Batwoman can have her moment over in her own book. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And... uh... No, so it's good news. Uh, it's exciting. It's the, it's the first proper full-on like new title they've announced, because the next one we're going to talk about, uh, we already knew about as well, much like JLA. They confirmed that Super Sons is coming in February as well. So that's all three of these books are launching in February, and it's going to be monthly. And they did also announce uh, the the writer Peter Tomasi, who's doing Superman, is going to be writing Super Sons. Yeah, it's it's very exciting, obviously. He had control over, over Damien for quite a while, and that went well. And uh, now he's clearly got the same sort of control with John. So, hmm. yeah. so no, I, I think it's a great choice. I wasn't expecting him. I assumed he was just too busy, but <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take I it. I did as well. They announced the artist as well, didn't they? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Jorge Jimenez is the artist. In fact, mm-hmm. he was already rumoured to be doing the art for, for yeah. a long time. He's done, he's done, has he done a couple of issues of Superman? It may not have been Superman. I've definitely said his name on the show. Yeah, I feel like it was Superman, but maybe that's just because Tomasi's name is, is in yeah, there. Yeah, no, I, I don't know what he did, but he did do a couple of issues or something recently because I remember seeing his name on the show. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that's that's all the uh, the first part of the Wave 2, uh, all coming in February, those three books. Um, I'm hoping we do get another title announced. I feel like because we already knew about two of them, it doesn't feel that exciting as it should have. I can see them saving one more for the solicits as, like, a surprise and then have one a week in February. I love that. Nah, because even if they save it for the solicits, they're not actually going to have the solicits reveal it. They're still going to announce it at least like three or four days in advance of the solicits. Because they always yeah. do that. Yeah. Oh, but where, where, those solicits aren't due for another, what, month? February's, yeah, that's another month month or so. Because yeah. we're starting to get January's. That's what I'm saying. It'll be about five, five or six weeks till yeah. we get those. So, yeah, they've got time if they want to announce it later. But at the same time, I feel like three is enough to launch in February. So maybe they'll just save it for the following month, then we'll get announcements when March's solicits are coming. Yeah, it could be. Even if they, if we get three a month in in February, March, and then April, like hmm. that's pretty decent still. Yeah, some GSA and Shazam would be lovely, DC. I'm, I'm waiting on my JSA. Uh, and to be fair, I want my Legion book. It's 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 got to be coming surely. You can have it, but GSA and Shazam take priority. JSA does. Uh, I'd take Legion over Shazam. Alright, the last thing in the news, it's also a very meaty thing. Very similar to Young Animal, actually. Uh, we're getting a new imprint. Warren Ellis is uh, returning to DC to oversee a, a Wildstorm imprint, like a new Wildstorm within DC, much like Young Animal. So uh, he's going to be writing the main book. It's going to be called The Wildstorm, and it's a monthly book that he's... Uh, He's writing, and the art is by John Davis Hunt, and it's an ongoing series that will sort of re-establish the Wellstorm universe. So, yeah. I don't really like Ellis. 
I have never read anything by Warren Ellis. I, I, I can't get into any of his stuff. It's it's I can't describe it. It's just very it's too Ellisy for me. Like he has a specific style, and I just can't get into it. I have no idea if that means it's for me or if it's not for me. So, but once like Young Animal, we will definitely try issue ones of these things. When I made no promises for that one. When they hit issue ones, no. Everyone on this show is locked in for issue ones of everything. We'll see. Everything. We'll see. Everything. I'm busy that week. It's a classic, um, I'm, I'm ill that day, excuse. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So yeah, it's going to be re-establishing characters such as Grifter, Voodoo, the Engineer, Jenny Sparks. I haven't heard of half of these, by the way. I'm just reading <laughs> what it says. Um, it also mentions that it will be launching other monthly series. Uh, the ones they've got planned right now, they've got three other books planned, and that is Michael Cray, Wildcats, and Zealot. I, I assume Ellis is curating the line the same way that... Uh, What's his name's doing for Young Animal? Yeah. Yeah. Name's completely gone from my head. But um leaves the question, what's happening with Midnight and Apollo? Because obviously they're Wildstorm characters. But oh. are very much part of the DC universe at the minute. Beats me. Especially, especially Midnight and more so, but obviously this new mini has cemented them both as part of it. So it's strange. Um, honestly, I could, well, whenever the event happens that sort of rejiggers the universe, I could just see them getting kicked out and maybe. But they got they established some like links with with Nightwing quite heavily for Midnighter, so I could see them keeping him around now. They may do, but they may also just boot him. I don't know. Yeah, they might. Nor do I really care if I'm honest. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh-uh. I assume that's a, a little preview into your thoughts on this new mini <laughs> it may be actually yeah um okay so let's go into some books we've got plenty to talk about so we're going to start off with batman issue 8 which is co-written by steve orlando and tom king and art by riley rosmo and nightwing issue 6 which is co-written by steve orlando and tim seeley and art by roge antonio and obviously we're doing these together because they are two parts of the same story uh I'll have to say that I actually do think that this event, or this crossover, has been getting better as it goes. I enjoyed these two issues probably the most out of all the ones so far. I will agree. It's a question now if it can stick the landing. Because hmm. obviously, one more to, to wrap it all up. Yes. But uh, fun things that happened in these issues. Uh, so, Batman's issue, the standout moment, was uh, this wonderful series of panels where Batman's... Uh, like talking to a Gotham girl while she's still in monster form, and we just see all the people like appearing behind Batman as the page goes on, and then you turn the page and Clayface is all these people are Clayface and they form together to make like a clay bat suit over Batman so you can fight the monster. It's pretty fantastic. It's great. I love it. It's over the top, but it kind of makes sense. But it's like one of the coolest things I've ever seen done with Clayface. Yeah, it's because it's Clayface, like the strength of Clayface, but with Batman's fighting skills. Yeah, is essentially what this was, and it was, it was beautiful. It was a glorious. I, I think also one of my favorite moments is obviously we see all the the people kind of coming up behind him, but Batman just he just knows what's going on. Mm. Like he doesn't look around, he doesn't acknowledge it, and he just they all just kind of appear, and then he's like, right, it's time, and yeah. then they all morph together. 
Yeah. Oh, it's just a, it's a great, great moment. Um, and the other standout moment for me in this issue was the reveal of, like, because we had all this, uh, this, like, red goo or whatever it was infecting people where, spoiler and orphan, we're trying to, like, have people evacuated. Yeah. And we finally see where that's coming from and it all forms up and we see this giant monster. It's probably my favourite monster out of all the, all the monsters we've seen in this series. Yeah, it's very gothic, that one. Yeah. I really like the look of it. And it's one of the best cliffhangers I think of the series so far. Is Even though that's not the last page, the last page is just Batwoman falling from the sky. But, like, for me, the real cliffhanger of that book was that monster, like, walking towards the city. Yeah, I get that. Definitely. But, um... It looks great again. I think I don't know if I remember to mention it last time. I did have one small issue with the art that's followed on here. Hmm? The bat ears are so tiny. Oh yeah, I agree. I actually that that did occur to me repeatedly. They're, Every... they're, they're just too small for my liking. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, I like uh, taller bat ears myself. And I mean, I know it's just, I know it's just a stylistic choice, but they feel too short here for what we've been seeing. Mm. And yeah, I just, well, I just don't true. like it. Even when he's on Clayface, they're tiny. And it's like, ugh. Don't know, it just doesn't do it for me. Yeah. Um. So, Nightwing as well, I thought was uh, really great. Because my favourite sort of moment in that was, again, the, the new monster, the gothic-looking monster that's coming in. I love the scene where she's climbing up the building. I say she because it looks like a she, even though... <laughs> like, I, I assumed a woman as well. I think it's like the the cloaky red cloaky cape thing. It looks yeah. very gothic woman. Yeah, but she's like climbing up the building, and like Nightwing and Spoiler are on the roof, mm. like uh, try to like you know be detective and like figure out Strange's plans, and that that's where they they realize all the people that Strange chose for this, and like you know bullied them into being like suicidal basically through psychology. Uh, like this was his like critique on or his analysis of Batman because all these people suffered some sort of childhood trauma, and Strange, being who he is, could tell that Batman went through a childhood trauma because he's you know that's always been a part of Strange's character that he can figure that out. Yeah, and it is great just to bring this back in and have this whole idea explored again, but in a different way, like literally like giving it these metaphysical forms of these giant monsters hmm. and showing how messed up these ideas make these people just kind of a representation of how messed up he thinks batman is yeah and then one of the the previous monsters all sort of formed together the first one at least comes back to life huge just to give us some big sort of action cliffhanger but it sets up the uh the, the two things that we're going to be dealing with next issue it seems like the bat family are going to deal with the monsters while batman goes off for doctor strange who just happens to be dressing up in his uh bat outfit yeah <laughs> it's sure. It's an interesting look for him. I still can't get over how hench he is, though. He's pretty bulky. Yeah, he is. Uh, no, and also I like the idea that the two main towers have got like this built-in, like, like defense system. Yeah, like that's it drains the power from the entire city. Like, cause that, well, it's probably one of the best panels in the book actually is when it like peels back and you just see the entire city's went in blackout. And yeah. The, the two buildings light up. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is fantastic. Yeah. That said, though. Favorite moment still the uh, the gothic monster climbing up the side of the building, but spoiler and uh, Decker just like no no we're not moving we're, we're yeah. figuring this out. Uh, it reminded me, this is a weird thing to reference, but it reminded me of the Nintendo Entertainment System video game for Ghostbusters because in the final stage of that game, uh, the State Puff Marshmallow Man is climbing up the side of the building. And the camera keeps like going back, and he's like further up every time, and it really reminded me of that. 
That's be- such a weird just be- idea. Just because she was so big and because she was climbing up the side of the building. But I, I really like that idea. I like the idea of, like, she's huge and she's technically a kaiju, but it, she's not, like, knocking things over and, like, crushing through things. She's, like, more ninja-esque. It's the idea that obviously there's like trees coming out of her back as well. It kind of feels like she's growing as part of it and she's kind of like a, like wrapping her way up like a Mm. vine. Yeah. No, I like that. No, I'm I'm enjoying the the book. Uh, Of course, uh, Duke like comes into action even though Batman tells him not to. Um, I still think it's, Duke's a little bit weird showing up here. Yeah. It just feels like such a Scott Snyder thing that just... (laughs) Keep him an all star. Um, eh, I don't mind. We we have, we've had him here and there in Batman. I feel like he's going to take a bigger role to go in with with Gotham Girl and that stuff going forward. I probably obviously uh, King's setting that up. So yeah. Uh, no, uh, really fun two issues. Uh, I think I think the crossover's gotten more fun and more consistent as it's went along, which is re- weird to say it got more consistent as it went along because that implies inconsistency. But yeah, I know. What I, I think. Mean. So. I think obviously I think people were expecting maybe a bit of a deeper story, but it's clearly just a blockbuster event. Like here's some big monsters, let's take it down. That's kind of what I was expecting, to be honest. Yeah, I feel like some people were expecting a bit more for the first kind of crossover thing. Hmm. I like Matt because he was he was being a negative Nancy. Yeah. For the it first was, couple of shows. Uh, all right. That's Batman and Nightwing. That'll take us on to Superman issue 8 with uh, Peter J. Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. Also art in this one is by Doug Mankey. So, this is uh, the start of the Monster Island uh, story, which we've been looking forward to. Um, it starts off very abruptly. Uh, <laughs> Superman and John are working on his like science fair project, which was a nice bit of continuity because they mentioned that he had to do that last issue. And it it flies into like the the Krypton crystals in the fortress, and they get teleported. It's to... interesting because obviously you say, "Oh, it's very abrupt," and it is, but it definitely gives you an idea that something's going on. More no, than... sure, but it it just like, I'm not even complaining because the rest of the issue is so much fun. But it just it is very like, very yeah, quick. Yeah. But I really because obviously that's only like what couple of pages at the start. Yeah. But I really like them because obviously the the talking about like what is this thing that he's building like where because obviously he says oh he, he got the design and a dream and it's mm. like it's clearly Kryptonian I'd assume you would imagine so, so. especially it's, since it's, especially since it reacts with the uh, the crystals the crystals exactly so it makes me think what's going on there how does he have these sort of memories maybe it's left over from stuff with the Eradicator I don't know yeah. So they get transported to an island where there's there's dinosaurs, there's giant monsters in the, the ocean, and there's pterodactyls. And someone's going to correct me and say they're not actually pterodactyls. Like most people know them as pterodactyls, uh, but they were giant, though. E- even for what I think of as a pterodactyl, these were huge. Yeah, they were pretty big, and there were some massive fish as well. Some massive fish, and so there's some monster fighting going on, and one of them eats crypto, but then you know he's fine and. John even points out that it's weird that his dog kept getting eaten. Because um, it occurred to me... Yeah, it is a bit weird. I think Tomasi just has a thing about eating dogs. He must like hot dogs. You know, you know like how Snyder has that thing about punching horses? <laughs> I think this is Tomasi's thing. Possibly. Possibly. Uh, I will say the art was uh, gorgeous throughout. Uh, it was. Re- really, really liked all that stuff. Uh, 
it's like it's the right amount. It's like it's not as playful as the last issue. You know, the issue with the bit of the fair, but it's it's got more of a rigidness to it than that did, and it works because they're on this island that's meant to be like as as they're wandering through the island, they find evidence of soldiers and graves and. Uh, like you know, this was some some soldiers from World War Two or whatever were here, and they put on, on some sort of last stand, and their fault, you know, and they failed to yeah. do it. And obviously, the issue ends with them finding that message in the cave of you know, this is the story of us. Yeah, I think a lot of it might be down to the inks, you know, hmm. like it feels like it's a lot of the the tightness is defined from there, and some of the shading is coming from that. It's a lot. It's that. Like, it feels heavier. The art feels heavier. It does. But it really was like one of my favorite panels is just uh, them flying through the sky, and it's like this kind of stormy sky, mm. and obviously like John's on on his back and Crypto's next to them, and oh, it's just great. Ah, oh, yeah, the books books lovely. Um, yeah, there's not much else to say. I don't, I don't have a whole lot to add. It's a it's a fun start to a new arc, and yeah. obviously we've been looking forward to this arc based on the name alone because why wouldn't we? I'm loving the sense of mystery. Like they they don't they don't quite know where they are. Like Superman even flies into the sky and tries to get away, but he can't see anything. Even you know he, he can see for miles and he can't make out anything. He can't get his sense of his bearings. I'm almost thinking there is like a sort of mystical, like force field or trap or you know yeah, something wouldn't, wouldn't that put it past it. You know holds everyone in. Uh, almost like Themyscira can't be found from the outside unless they want you to. Like this is the same with getting out. Yeah, to to put it recently for Superman, it feels kind of like the the Horrorville thing. Oh yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But I think one of one of my favorite moments was you know when they find the the tank and John's like, oh, can I look in? And he's like, nah, there's the respect him, and he's like, so he just seals it up. Hmm. I really like that. Yeah. Um. No, I'm I'm in the sense of mystery. I'm in the sense that something bad happened here, and they're going to be discovering it over the you know four or five issue arc, whatever it's going to be. And uh, no, so it's good fun. Uh. So. Let's take us on to Justice League issue six, uh, written by Brian Hitch, art by Matthew Clark. We're on a new arc, so new artist. It's kind of a shame. Tony S. Daniel can go and rest up and get ready for arc number three. Um, and the just uh, I thought this one started really weird. Like it started really abruptly mid-fight, as if. Yeah, it's like you say, Superman started abruptly. This was completely like because this was well, just coming in at the end. Well, Superman didn't start abruptly, it just set up the plot abruptly. Whereas yeah. this this came in like, into the middle of a fight, almost to the point where I was expecting it to go twenty four hours earlier. Like I was expecting one of the like mm. cut you know, cut back to the earlier and build up to it again. And I'm glad it, just, it didn't. I'm kinda glad it didn't too, but it still felt really weird. It did. It's kinda like it would work on a TV show, I think. Where you can kind of come into it, and you can kind of just see the ending of of this thing because we obviously this is established team. We know they do this stuff. Mm. You can kind of just see, oh, this is the end of one of the threats. But starting it in the comic felt a bit off for a, for the first couple of pages. Yeah, it was a bit weird, um, especially since I do like the idea that Jessica, like they're all feeling the effects of this like this fear, and they're all terrified because this whatever they're fighting is causing them to feel fear. But Jessica, because she's so used to being afraid, can kind of like see through it, <laughs> like yeah, and overcome it, which is kind of an interesting idea. Uh, but I was kind of at the same time, you didn't really earn this because we literally started a page before this happened. Yeah, like this would have been, this would have been a great ending to this arc 
like a great ending to this whole fear thing if she could fight it because everyone else wasn't used to being this afraid but she was like that would have been a great ending that this is why they win the fight at the end instead here though the whole plot of this issue is that they all start to exhibit like aggression and like excited fear and stuff throughout yeah the, it's just you know re- residual effects from the fight yeah and it seems to be getting worse though they seem to be like getting angrier and it so does on. i'll say start aside and then the very ending aside i really like this issue okay like uh all, all the character stuff i thought was fantastic i thought the fight at the start was kind of just like eh whatever but from from when the fight finishes to like the very last page, I thought it was really great. I wouldn't say it was great. I, I definitely liked it more than most of the first arc. Don't get me wrong, because mm. uh, uh, all the characters are in different things. Jessica asks Barry out on a date, and there there is some fun made to be there. But obviously, once they go on the date, that's when Barry starts acting angrier and yeah. acting out at people and stuff. And we see Batman's a little bit in a humph humph in the cave. Uh, and of course it ends with, kind of just feels like Batman yeah. to be honest and it ends with a big cliffhanger of course where Superman just casually says he's going to go and kill Batman <laughs> yeah that's where I didn't really like it I was like oh this again I kind of feel like we've done this we have um, I I don't know I have no I have no defence <laughs> I was going no. to try and play some devil's advocate but I don't really have anything that's the thing. It was up till that I was really liking it, and then I was like, "Oh, do we have to do this again?" It depends where it goes, but given how the first arc played out, I almost feel like I know where it's going, and it'll probably be exactly what I'm thinking it's going to be. Which is just you know, you'll go, you'll try and kill him, it'll somehow get deflated. They'll all fight for a bit, and maybe Jessica's the one who says. You know, but I can see it being drawn out because much like the first arc felt like it was, you know, two issues of story spread out over five. I can see that being the same case here, where we're going to be doing this for another four issues when, you know, it could be over by the end of the next one. Yeah, and also while the art's fine in this, I don't think it's as good as Tony Daniels. So I feel like it's it's even like more of a of effort to get through. And drawn out arc when the art's not quite as nice as what we know it could be. I didn't, yeah, the art didn't bother me. I think for me, it's just the, the stories in Justice League and the way they've been told are very, very unfulfilling, very uncaptivating, and like we said, drawn out, especially that first arc. Uh, we'll see if this one solves that issue a little bit. Yeah, maybe it'll surprise us. But, uh, no, Justice League's definitely it's one of the books that's like I am least excited to read now. Like it's at the yeah. bottom of the pile, like quite. I mean, if way. if we could have had more, you know, at the moments where like Barry's going and changing his clothes and then picking up the flowers, I want that stuff. Yeah, that stuff was more fun because him like, like literally meeting her and going, oh, I need flowers, and then using his super speed to run off and get them. But then he's all the super speed, the friction has like disintegrated them. You know, like, yeah. all, all that, yeah, that, that was fun. That was fun. But even, like, her deciding what colour dress she should wear, she's like, oh, he likes red, maybe I should do that. Yeah, but then she wears green, because green's her colour, and if you're going by Power Rangers rules, you must always wear the colour that you're associated with. Hey, it's a good rule. <laughs> I don't know, Smallville had that rule as well, and we're not, we also I, I, are... I appreciate it in that, too. Oh, it's, yeah. it's an awful rule, but I, I do appreciate it no matter what. Yeah, sure. Uh, so that's Justice League. Uh, eh, eh. 
Uh, I'm a bit more upbeat on it than you, but I'm not. I'm still not positive about the art going forward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that'll take us on to Green Arrow issue eight, uh, written by Benjamin oh. Percy and art by Otto Schmidt, who has made his he's tri- back triumphant return, and we're yeah. back with Oliver on the island, and this one was. I mean, I enjoyed it. Like, I enjoyed everything with Ollie and Dinah talking. I enjoyed. But there were some elements of this that I thought were kind of unclear in the storytelling. Go because, on. Right, so, Ollie's like, oh, I've been here for like three days, and or whatever he says, and, you know, I don't know if I'm ever going to get off, am I going to see people again, I'm not sure what island I'm on, you know, what part of the world I'm at, so on and so forth. And then Dinah just, like, walks out of the ocean like it's James Bond. And I was convinced she was a figment of his imagination yeah, yeah. for so I, long. I was thinking Mirage or whatever, right? And then we just casually see Diggle hanging out at like a, a bonfire. And I'm thinking, all right, okay, right, they've came here together. But then when they find the campsite, Dinah's like, oh, who else could be here? And he's like, oh, we'll sit Diggle. Well, I mean, so last we saw, we saw Ollie wash up on this at the end of the last arc, right? Mm-hmm. I guess the assumption is they all washed up and we just didn't realise and they're just at different places on the island. I'm not assuming that. <laughs> no, okay. No, nah, because they were on a boat. But was was Diggle with them? Yeah, Diggle was with them. Yeah. It's been a while. Because we had that two-issue break that now I'm struggling to remember. It has been a while. I I, I don't know. I, I felt like... I still think she might be a figment of his imagination, but then she's getting angry at him and stuff, and I feel, I feel like... I don't know. It's harder to get a sense. And I see in a TV show, I would know for sure, just by the way she talks. Whereas yeah. in a comic, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit to actually tell. Because but... he even says, oh, I think, like, are you a mirage or whatever? Like, he addresses it as soon as she appears. And she's like, no, I'm really here. But then the whole issue still plays out like, I'm not sure. Like, I just don't know. But it's stuff like but you know, then, when when but, he, he fixates on the scar and, and mm. she, like like why would that be in his his mind if she wasn't there? And also, it doesn't explain Diggle. Like Diggle's not even with him, and he's there. We see him be there, so he's obviously not imagining that. Exactly. And if he's there, then it's reasonable that she's also there, unless he's there but she's not, and she's just a mirage. But then I'm thinking, but why wouldn't they just go together to go and get him if they're both concerned? Because obviously they're looking for him after the explosion in the boat. But why does she not have any idea that Diggle's here? Exactly. Because, you know, when, when they get to the campfire, she, he, he's like, ah, oh, it's Diggle. And she's like, how can you possibly know that? And he's like, well, no one else wears those those size boots around here. Hmm. Which is a bit of an assumption, frankly. Because yeah. you, don't, you don't know who's here. Yeah, it's kind of a weird issue in that sense. Yeah. A few things were but- a bit unclear. Hopefully it'll it'll clear up in with the rest of the arc. It probably will, but it just as an issue on its own, it felt a little bit confuddled with itself. Yeah, possibly one of the weaker issues so far of mm. Green Arrow. But yeah. art was great. Glad to have Schmidt back. Yeah, yeah, art was fantastic. Of course it was. Um, all right, that'll take us on to Green Lanterns issue eight, uh, written by Sam Humphreys and art by Ed Beans, and. We said last issue that it was probably the best issue of the, the, the series yet. I'm going to say that again. I think this was another yeah. step up. Oh my God, this series has turned around so much. This this arc is a lot of fun. Uh, so Jessica and Baz are out uh, looking for 
uh, oh, I forgot his name. What's the what's the Guardian's name? Oh, uh, I don't know. It's just it's just Guardian, any? I can't remember. <laughs> well, the Guardian, um, the Guardian that's got the uh, the Phantom Ring, and the uh, Simon's nephew is dressed up as the Flash. A nice little uh, moment when. He, Baz makes fun of his costume or says something about the Flash not being cool and Jessica leans and goes no don't listen to him Flash is like the best outfit ever like she has to defend him yeah, yeah that, that was a nice little touch as much as Justice League itself is not that good this whole her having a crush on the Flash like it's bleeding out into the other books and it's actually making for fun little moments it is because it was it, it was worth having like that stuff in Justice League just for that moment yeah that no, was good um but yeah, so they they find uh, the guard. He's up in a sort of clock tower looking area in the town, and the dominators. We see the dominators like sneaking around, and it's worth mentioning that it's just two sort of rogue dominators who are not. They're not here as part of an army. They're not here as part of like representing the. Like they're here for their own gain. They want this ring because they're. I love that they they don't know where the guardian is either, and they're like, let's just follow the lands. Yeah, they'll they'll, they'll do it. Yeah. But what I liked about this issue is I really liked that it had these, and it's something I've been saying every time we talk about Green Lanterns and you know what I'm sick of the big space opera and what I wanted to do. I always say I wanted to get smaller, and this felt like it was all set in a small town on Halloween night. We had some yeah like guest characters who were these kids who were little you know douchebags quite frankly um, until later on, and we had these two alien dominators like chasing them down and trying to get this ring, and you know the guys like. You know the the lanterns like you know saving him and all that, and like basically convincing him to come out protect up to custody, and even the fun little stinger at the end with uh, Jessica using her ring to make a, like a a monster construct at the door to scare the uh, the kids away. It's it's the first it's construct we've seen a do that's got like an actual form of something because yeah. we we were speculating last issue what it was and we said it was some sort of like flowery thing. I'm more convinced than ever it's like plant like after this because obviously it comes up again and it looks yeah. like vines kinda I feel like it's not supposed to be anything specific it's just kind of yeah it's vine like because that's just the first thing that kind of comes to our head but it's not you know yeah. whereas the construction makes at the door is like specifically like a oh actually is she the one that makes the cage I'm not sure which one of them it is that makes the cage for the dominators yeah it could be either I don't think it really matters at that point yeah but uh I like how when she she still has to talk herself into making a construct though, and she overcompensates and makes a huge construct when she's only made you know, you know yeah you know what what one that's a few feet wide will suffice, but she makes one that's like fifty foot tall. So hey, she gotta do it. Go big. <laughs> no, it's just a really fun issue. Like I had so much fun, and then even the banter between Simon and Jess and the Guardian. And we also get some flashbacks of him as well when he made the ring and got banished by the other Guardians. Yeah, and it was fine. It's the sort of thing where this ring could easily be the thing that we hate about this series. But so far it doesn't really matter though because it's a MacGuffin. And that's it fine. It is. And I kind of hope it just stays that way. Um, I'm not. I'm sure Like we get, we get a little tease at the end of this villain, some sort of soldier looking character who's coming to the city looking for the ring. And I have no doubt he'll get the ring, and he, well, if not him, someone else will get the ring, and that'll be who they fight in the, at the end of the arc. We'll get a big yeah. fight at the end with whoever's wearing it. And that's fine, like, sure. But you're, it's not shoving all this extra mythology. But more importantly, two issues into this arc, and neither of them have been about fighting. Like, yeah, there's been a little fight with the Dominators, but, you know, most of it's been conversation. It's been Yeah, it's not what it's been about. Yeah. 
So, and Which that's why I'm liking a, it way more. It's such a pleasant change from that Red Lanterns. Because stuff. there was at least three issues of that Red Lanterns arc where it was just nothing but the same sort of fight for like three issues. There was at least three issues where I was like, oh, I really want to drop this, but I want to hold off because I thought I'm gonna. This arc seems better from the solicits that we got, and I'm so glad I waited. Yeah, this is this is definitely much better than the first arc. So, no, that's good news. Good news. Uh... All round. Uh, that'll take us on to Aquaman, issue 8, written by Dan Abnett and art by Scott Eaton. Which Connor did not read. I've given up. Yeah, you've dropped Aquaman. Do you uh, know what the worst part of that is, though? Yeah. It's not even, it's by far not the worst book I'm reading. It's like, like far away better than some of the other stuff I'm reading. But the fact that I looked at it and went, I've got three issues to read, and I went, ugh, what, what a chore. That's it. That's it. I've, that was a sign. It's all right. I've just got to stop. And yet you're up to date on Red Hood and the Outlaws. No, but that's the thing. If I'd been up to date on this, if I'd, I'd still would have read this issue, I'd have been like, yeah, sure, it's just one issue. Mm. But when there's three, it's like, nope, that's too much. Um, This was the best issue it's had in a few issues. That said, it wasn't great, but the last issue ended with this, like, I, I referred to him as uh, Underwater Doomsday, and it ended up being something else. Well, what did it reveal? Like, they revealed who it was at the end, that it was like some obscured monster. That um, I'm going to look at it, but so a lot of it was action, and it's, it's funny because it's kind of the the opposite of what I'm going to complain about in another book later. But I'm actually I feel like Abnet, at least in Aquaman, works at his best when he's dealing with some sort of giant monster or some sort of scary monster. You know, when it's like a horror sci-fi story about a monster that he's fighting, he actually does really well, and I actually enjoy that from him way more than the political stuff that we got for five issues, six issues, that felt like it was just repeating itself ad nauseum. Which which is such a shame, because obviously when this was first announced, it was the political stuff and getting into that side of things that I was really excited about hearing, and then they destroyed the embassy, what, an issue in, and I was like, oh, okay, they're just going to... And it, be- yeah, it became Destroy about... that for me. It became about... Um... Yeah, how is that? Jesus Christ. Yeah, it, so... It, it basically... He's got, like, rocks on him and stuff, and then it, it, the monster breaks the rocks off towards the end of the issue, and it turns out to be the Shaggy Man. Okay. And Aquaman said that as if that's a, you know, established character, so I assume that this is an obscure thing from DC's past that I am unaware of. Um... <laughs> But essentially, looks like Chewbacca. I'm googling it now. I need to see what this is. At least in this issue, he's like a big muscular version of Chewbacca. Uh, oh, I see it. Yeah, it's kind of like a big Yeti. Ah, uh, yeah. Which I mean, let's be honest, Chewbacca's probably kind of based off of a Yeti. Yeah. But uh, no, that show was fine. I mean, Mira was still doing this whole uh, like in the last issue, she agreed to go through this sort of. Uh, this series of like initiation, like not tests, but initiation uh, like ceremonies to prove that she's worthy of being the queen of Atlantis, and like she goes and meets the the women running it who seem to all either be widows or whatever of Atlantis, and they they just casually drop that this is going to take months and that she won't be able to see her husband for months, uh, or actually someone says that to Aquaman, but it like and that was like fine, the, but I like the monster stuff a bit more. Honestly, though, I'm, I'm, I am very, I am edging on wanting to drop this myself, and it's kind of, the problem is, is that on these weeks where this hits, uh, what I refer to as the Batman-Superman weeks, because obviously you have those two, and then you have detective action weeks, 
in the alternate. On these weeks, Justice League and Aquaman, and to an extent, one other book that I'm going to get to, like sit at the bottom of the pile, and I'll, I'll read all the ones that I'm excited about. You know, I'll read like the six or seven that I'm really into, and then I just look at those two and go, uh, I've got, I've got those two to read still. Now imagine that, but you have three issues to read. If that, if one of those, that's that's why I've dropped Aquaman. It's like I can tolerate going, oh, one issue, you know, and go, oh, I can get through one issue. It's, it's a, not it's too a, bad. It's a combination of that, but also the fact that we've just announced three more books, all of which I think I will like. You know, so obviously it becomes a time issue. Like you know, I can only read. Yeah, and obviously yeah. we've got all the young animal books coming out as well now. Yeah. So I may drop Aquaman. Uh, however, Matt has informed us. Matt, despite his birthday, did let us know that he will continue with Aquaman even if both me and Connor have dropped it. So. Uh, yeah, I still can't believe Aquaman's the first thing I dropped. Sometimes that's just the way it goes. Uh, So, but Matt's still going to be reading it, so you'll still get someone talking about Aquaman, even if I do drop it. Um, And I do believe Matt said he was dropping Justice League, which I can't really blame him. But I'm—that's the one where I'm like, I'm going to put myself through it just because it's Justice League. You know, I feel weird. Like we do a DC show, we have to talk about Justice League. Hey, I'm down. I like this issue more than it was before, so I'm alright keeping that around for now. But uh, yeah, so that was Aquaman. It was. It, it, this was a solid 6 out of 10, you know? <laughs> Very promising there. Yeah, so real, real, real encouraging for me to want to read it. As opposed to like the last few issues of the first arc, which was, were like, you know, 4s and 5s out of 10, where I was just like, yeah, I don't really want to read this. But, uh, yeah, that's Aquaman. That'll take us on to issue 2 of Cyborg, which is uh, written by John Semper Jr. and Paul Pelletier on art. This was a slog... Yeah, I, I mean, really, I really hate to say this, but I'm dropping Cyborg. Like I, and I know I was, I was relatively positive on the last issue. Like if you go back and I was too. Hear my thoughts. I really enjoyed all the character stuff. I enjoyed like Cyborg going to a jazz club and like sort of rediscovering his you know happiness a little bit. Like all all that stuff I enjoy. But like this issue was mostly a fight with uh, what's his name, Kilgore. Kilgore with a percentage sign. With the percentage yeah. sign. And honestly, like, this entire fight was putting me to sleep. And I'm going to make a really weird complaint here. And this is a weird complaint, but this is something that I've discovered that I really hate in comic books. Is I hate that... See, like, when it's, like, uh, robots or cybernetic characters, right? And they put their their text, their, their font, in this really blocky, mm-hmm. you know, style to make it look more digital. Yeah, I hate it. I hate reading it with a passion. Yeah, you do have to actually think when you're reading it a bit more. And it, it actually kind of strains my eyes. Uh, to compare it to something from another series, uh, IDW's uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series, which is very good, by the way. You should definitely check it out if you've ever been a fan of the, the Turtles. Uh, it's like 60-plus issues, and I've read the first 50 or so. But I've read the first, like, eight. But I like them. But it's very good. Well, I can tell you, I haven't read 50 well worth, you know, reading up to that point at least. But the, you know, they, they did like minis every so often or one shots of different, you know, one focusing on Leonardo, one focusing on, you know, Casey, April, that sort of thing. There's a robot character in that called Fujitoid. And he had his own one shot. And I backed away from that like it was the plague. Because every time that character is in the main series and he speaks, 
I hate those pages. I hate those panels because it's in this blocky, stupid font that hurts my eyes. It's such a widespread problem. I think it's maybe because it's not considered a problem. It's just a distinguishing feature, but it's annoying. It is really annoying because you've got like cyborgs isn't too bad. Like cyborgs is. Oh, I kind of hit my mic there. Apologies. For yeah, it. cyborgs has the italics on it, which kind of yeah. makes it all right. Cyborg is not too bad, right? But Kilgore was unbearable, and he was talking a lot in this issue. So not only was the fight itself boring, all there was all this like you know he was quoting Shakespeare, he was you know he was monologuing, and it was all in this font, and it was just putting me to sleep the entire time. Do you know, what? I was. I was okay at first, because I think at the end of last issue, we speculated, ah, he'll just be there for the first few pages, it'll be something to fight, and then we'll move on. Mm. And I was going through the first few pages, it got to the bit where he quoted Hamlet, I was like, alright, okay, let's wrap this up. And then it didn't. I was like, oh, oh, this is this is the whole thing. Ooh, and then that back half was was an effort. Yeah, the, that, that's, there was like maybe two or three pages at the end that, that weren't the fight. Yeah, not much at all. I'm actually interested in checking. By all means, you go and check that. But I I just... At the end of this issue, I was just like, no, I'm done. <laughs> like, well, okay. So he t- he pulls the arms off him, right? Right. That is one page before the end. There is one page after that. <laughs> one page before the end. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. So there is literally one page after the fight. So even though I like some stuff in issue one... And I would really like to get into Cyborg. I would love to love Cyborg because DC really want us to love him. And I would love it's them. Just, it's, I don't think it's even DC. I think it's just Jeff Johns. <laughs> Jeff Johns wants us to love Cyborg. And I would love to love him just for Jeff Johns' sake. <laughs> I really would. It's, it's one of those few rare occasions where I think he's wrong. But I just don't. He's not, well, well, I don't dislike Firestorm as much, but he does also have a hard-on for Firestorm. He does. But Firestorm, I've read some good stuff. Like, you know, I'm all right with that. Like even like even in his own thing, where Cyborg just I don't think yeah. Cyborg can carry his own thing. Cyborg is okay as part of a team, but every time they try and give him a solo series, I always find myself just not caring about issue two or whatever. All they need to do is just throw him back to the Titans. Mm. I, I think the problem is is that his character is just not that interesting. It's not that original or deep. He's just, you know, even his name. Yeah, he has this one thing: is he human or not? Like that, and like even this series, which is exploring that, it's still that's it's the one oh, thing that he's only ever had. Honestly, it's kind of the same problem with Aquaman right now. He's got the one thing, uh, relations with the land people versus the sea people, and that's it. That's everything's revolving around that, and I feel yeah. like everything has been revolving around that. Even in Jeff Johns's run, for the most part, in New Fifty Two, that was like a big thing the whole time. And it's it was. Like... It felt it felt fresher then, though, because it was like, yeah. oh, hang on, we haven't seen the people interact with him like this. Same thing here. I'm just immediately on, like, Cyborg. And he is, he's a Cyborg, so they called him Cyborg. Right away, the name feels just so uninspired. Yeah, it's just... I can't do it. I just can't do it. Yeah, I... Uh, and I do believe that Matt is also uh, well. He's not read this issue yet, but he was also he was he was more down in the last couple than we were. So it seems like he will probably go the same way. This might be the end for Cyborg. It may be the end for Cyborg, at least with this current creative team, or unless we hear it gets amazing after like an arc or two or something. Yeah, maybe if I hear really good things about the next issue, I'll jump back on. If but I, I'm not going to read it 
first. It'll be like, oh, I hear good things. Okay, I'll try it. But yeah, I was falling asleep during this. Yeah, it, 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 it was not good. And that's what happens when you have to strain your eyes to read awkward fonts as you get sleepy. And just when it's a bit boring. It was that too, but I'm, <laughs> I'm really hampering on this font thing because it really bugs me. Um... So that will <laughs> that was really negative. I poor, poor cyborg. But uh, let's move on to some of the minis. We have got some new minis that started this week, and the first one that we're going to talk about is Dead Man Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love issue one, uh, written by Sarah Vaughan and art by Lan Medina. Now it is worth mentioning just to remind everyone that this is not monthly. This is going to be every two months because each issue is extended. You'll notice this was a good like fifty pages. Oh. I'd forgotten that, and now that's really disappointing because I really <laughs> love this. I liked it too. I liked it a lot, actually. But I'm just I'm reminding everyone, just in case you're wondering where it is next month. It's uh, every two months. Scroll me right down. Thanks for that. But each issue is double length, so you know. I mean, yeah, but damn it. Yeah, I like this too. My my honestly, my only complaint is for the first couple of pages, I was kind of confused as to who was narrating. Yeah. I get that. I was for, I think, two or three pages. I was a bit lost. Because it, you assume it would have been Dead Man and then it wasn't. You assume it's Dead Man, but even the way he's talking about not wanting to go to haunted houses, I was like, yeah, that sounds like Dead Man. Yeah. Like, that sounds like something he might say because he obviously sees all the ghosts and stuff. Uh, but then it be, obviously it turns into the, the, the lead character who we have here. So, no. Um, I like this a lot. I, th- I thought the art style was really great for it. It gave it a really nice gothic, spooky, you know, old house feel to it. Yeah. Definitely, John. I'm I'm gonna liken it to, mm-hmm. but what what I wish something had been, uh, Crimson Peak. From you know, this is what I was you know before that came out before I watched it, I was promised a certain thing, and I don't feel like the movie delivered on that promise. This comic is what I was promised for that film. I definitely enjoy this comic more than that movie. I hated that movie. I did not enjoy it either, but. This is what I wanted that film to be, essentially. Yeah, well, what I like about this, though, is that... So this main character, she can see ghosts. Like, she's been seeing them all her life, and that's why she doesn't go to buildings like this, typically, because uh, she knows they, they tend to have histories where there might be ghosts. And But her boyfriend, uh, like, inherited it from his uncle or whatever, and as a result, they have to be here for a while. And she is, like, you know... Like, Dead Man's trying to overtake her, but because she can t- see him and talk to him, like, she eventually's like, hey, that's not cool. Like, yeah. you need to get asked for permission. He's like, well, to be fair, normally no one can hear or see me, so I can't really, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, so, it's also a thing that, um, obviously, something's going on with Dead Man because he can't possess mm-hmm. anyone else. And, and it has and, a great, great well, moment where he. Well, it's not just tries. that. He can't leave either. Like, no. he could get in here just fine, but now that he's in here, he can't possess anyone else and he can't leave. Smells like a trap. Does smell like a trap. But obviously, it ends with them finding this ghost of this woman who lived here. And I'm guessing they have to solve whatever this, you know, history, mystery is. Yeah, it's a rhyme. Yeah, history, mystery. Uh, To unlock the house and free him and whoever else. But yeah. No, I liked it. I I liked there was some good character building. We get a sense of these three main characters. Um, So. I think it's worth going. Obviously, you said, "Oh, there's no issue next month." It's not just that this is extra long. This is literally two issues because it has a point. It has the cliffhanger and then says chapter two. It does, yeah. That's a good point. It's it's literally two issues stuck together. But I kind of get why they did that. 
Yeah, no, I do. Because it works together as well. It does, but it also it's kind of the thing where that would mean the f- entire first issue is from this woman's point of view, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but the second half is all from Dead Man's point of view. And I yeah, feel like so it has this nice symmetry. It has the symmetry, but it also just makes sense that you want some Dead Man focus in your first issue, given that it's called Dead Man. So. Does make sense. Yeah. No, it, it this works. Is, this is only three issues long, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's it's in reality it's six. Uh, yeah, it's three double issues. Yeah. But we said all this when it was solicited. Well, that was so long ago though now. Well, I've got a memory. Apparently you don't. Well, I do, but not when there's so many things. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just to go on about the art a little bit again, I, I love the colour palette. It's got a very muted... It's this muted except the reds of Dead Man really stand yeah. out. Especially when he possesses her and you know she has the red outline. And it's really vibrant. I think... I think the sort of watercolour sort of mute, muted thing works really well for this kind of like a... Victorian ghost- gothic thing. Yeah, just not... Well, I was going to say ghostly. There's, there's almost a ghostly quality to it anyway when there's no ghosts mm-hmm. around. So when they do show up, it feels very part of the world and not... Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, no, it, it definitely blends it all in. So it all feels really natural when, when they are around. But no... Uh, that was really good. I really, really enjoyed that. And it set up again mystery, and it set up that these dead man and this woman have to have some sort of an alliance while they try and figure what's out what's going on. Because she's having more dreams and stuff, and she's you know seeing the effects of it. So, no, it was uh, it was good. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the next one. All right, so that'll take us on to the next first issue of a mini, which is Death of Hawkman issue one, uh, written by Mark Andreco and art by Aaron Lopresti. So, uh, this was not exactly what I was expecting, because this, it starts off with, and actually we do do the thing here where we start off in the future, and we cut Uh, back, and here it works. Does work very well, I think. Because here it it clearly feels like we're going to get, like, even from the start, you can tell that either this is the the intro to whatever the actual story is going to be, or, but either way you don't feel confused. You get everything you need to get, you get that Hawkman's wounded. Adam Strange is like, you know, with him. It seems like, oh crap, everything's gone to hell. They're buggered. There's no way they're going to get out of this. Cut back to, what, three days, whatever it was? Does it say? I can't remember the exact time. Gonna have a flick through and check, because I don't remember. I don't think it's that important. What a period of time before, a week. Yeah, yeah. It's just however long it was. It doesn't matter. But this actually is actually more of an Adam Strange book. Not only is he the narrator, the story that we cut back to is all about him. Like, it's him on Earth, and we know that he uses the Zeta Beams to get, like, to and from uh, the planet Ran and wherever else in space, and basically the Zeta Beam that's meant to take him doesn't show up, and he yeah. has to go hunting for Zeta Beams <laughs> in possible places. I think places. it was extremely smart of them to play, at least this first issue, to play with uh, the Adam Strange stuff, because typically... Pe- People are going to know Hawkman. You know, even like, even relative newcomers to comics, mm-hmm. you have, like, he's, he's in Legends Tomorrow. You've had Hawk Girl on the, the Justice League cartoons. So, you know, people get the idea of Hawkman quite easily. Whereas Adam Strange is a bit more obscure. So I feel like if you've got this joint, because it was originally solicited under a different name, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Hawkman Adam Strange out of time, which is what the arc is still called in the inside of the book. Yeah. So in that sense, I think it makes a lot of sense to go, right, 
straight away, you probably know Hawkman. Let's show you Adam Strange so you can have a connection for him so you get the rest of the book. See, I get what you're saying there, but at the same time, I almost would argue the opposite. Go on. You know Hawkman, so here's to ease you into the book, here's the one you know, and then we'll shift you on to the new character in issue two. I get that approach, but I think showing us the new character first is better because then we care about them more going forward. Because people probably already have a, a, a reason to care about Hawkman from their past, whereas Adam Strange probably not. So it's like, and you've only got, what, six issues of this? See, you Five? say that, but I don't feel like most people do actually care about Hawkman. All right, maybe not care so much, but they have enough knowledge to know who he is. And, like, I'm, and I'm not. Like, I think the issue works really well. I like the issue a lot. I just don't necessarily. Yeah, agree with your point that oh, it was until you know genius to start with Adam Strange. I don't think it's just starting with Adam Strange. I think Adam Strange is the main character for the whole thing. I don't know. I think he will be for a couple of issues. I don't know. I, feel I, th- like... I think we're going to swap over. I feel like the setup here that they've set up him as the main character, and I feel like it's called Death of Hawkman because Hawkman's obviously going to be the subject of whatever's going on. He's going to be the 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 pivotal plot element, if you will. But I feel like Adam Strange will be the protagonist the entire time. I don't know. I can still see it shifting for a couple of issues. Like I can see one and two being Strange, three and four being Hawkman, and then five and six being like a team. Well, what did you think of the rest of the plot then, this issue? No, I really liked it. It was a lot of fun. I, well, I think uh, watching on, him running around and investigate and, you know, because obviously he has the locations of where all these Zeta Beams are and him he going uses, around. He uses his Justice League card and people like, wait, but I don't recognise you. You're not one of yeah, the main Justice League. And they're League. like, hang on. Oh, that Justice League. The other one with the with the other people no one really knows. <laughs> and uh, n- nice callback to obviously that book because... Even I'd forgotten that existed, to be honest. Oh, no, I remembered it. I, I, it's one of the things, as they mentioned it, I was like, oh, yeah, he was on that. But I'd stopped reading it after a few issues because I didn't think it was particularly great, so I'd kind of forgotten about it. I read it for a while. Yeah, but like I, said, I think it was really fun, him going around doing that. And we had like the, the split in between his life out uh, out there and then his life on Earth. And uh, the the duality of that was was really good. Mm. So obviously you know, it swaps from like playing games to like in a ship. Yeah, it's it's very fun spirited because you you get like him being like this superhero out in space, and then it cuts to just him doing menial tasks on Earth. Um, obviously he finally gets the Zeta Beam at the end of the issue, and he ends up he goes back he goes back to Ran, but like it's like war torn and it's you know chaos and you know obviously he's looking for his wife. His wife's on Ran. If you're not familiar with Adam Strange, Alana Strange is uh, typically there. Yeah. So, um, no, that was a fun first issue. I probably like Dead Man a little bit more. I agree. But this was but, fun. This was more fun than I was expecting. Yeah. I have a question. Did the did the Rand Thangar war happen in this timeline? Or is this it? Nah. I would guess this is it. Okay. Well, that's, that's fine. I just, just wondering if this just wondering if this is something that's happened before and then now it's happening again to them, or if this is just no, this is it. Uh it's probably this is it. Okay. Not that it really matters that much, just just for context. Hmm. Alright, that'll take us on to Midnighter and Apollo issue one. This is the third mini series that started this week. 
uh, written by Steve Orlando and art by Fernando Blanco. Now, I indicated earlier that I didn't like this very much. And it's not that I think it's a bad comic. I actually think some of the action sequences in it are very good. There's a scene where Midnighter's like going through a train. That's a the very... train sequence particularly fun. Yeah, that's a very, very good sequence. But this is... I felt out of the loop the entire time. This is clearly meant for people who were reading Midnighter before. Yeah, I read some of it, not all. But... Even I, I didn't read enough to be completely in the loop, I can tell you that. Because it it just seemed to assume that I knew who a lot of characters were, and I who, I knew who none of these people were. Like They've got these friends that they have dinner with, and you know they set up this villain, and all these rules about... I mean, I, I, I remember from Grayson, uh, Midnight, or, like, opening these doors, these portals to, you know, other places. Yeah, see, I got all that part. That part I wasn't lost with. Because he has a base, and they, they teleport from the base, and then they go through the doors there. Hmm. It, it's all linked. It doesn't link from the door to the new place. He has to go. It, it went back to the base, and then from the base through another door. Okay. Right. Which was it seemed to be before, I think, but maybe it's shifted a bit. But you know, it doesn't really make a difference. Um. But no, I, I, I was just kind of lost, and nothing really meant anything to me, because I didn't really get any of the relationship. I mean, I knew Midnighter and Apollo were a couple, but I didn't really... You know, I don't really know who Apollo is, honestly. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember him showing up that much in the book, either, from what I read of it. He may have shown up more towards the end, though, if you didn't finish it. He might have done. It's, it's a fair point. Yeah, because I, I, like, I like Orlando's writing. Um, it's just... I. Like I was so out of the loop, so I won't be reading issue two of this, but it's just because it's clearly. I throw in the list. It it certainly isn't bad. In fact, it reads perfectly well. It's just not for new people. It's clearly, like you say, it's a continuation. You got to re- read Midnight and then read this. It's clearly the final arc of Midnight. This is this is they've given this to him to wrap up whatever story he had planned. This is this is real. I don't know what issue that ended on, but this is like issue seventeen of Midnight or whatever. I want to say it ended about twelve. Yeah, whatever that. Whatever it yeah. ended at, this is the next one basically. Yeah, and that's fine for anyone who's reading it. Great, you get your book. Yeah, you know, like I, I don't begrudge him anything. It's certainly fine. I liked what I read at midnight. I just fell behind. So I probably I'll probably catch up at some point. I'll probably wait till the end of this and then just read the whole thing in one go. Hmm. But it's it's not bad. And if you've been reading midnight, you'll probably enjoy it because it reads very similarly. Yeah, uh, there you go. I don't really have anything to add to that. So. Uh, we will move on to oh, just Connor now. Connor's Corner, Harley Quinn issue five, Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palm- Palmiotti, uh, with art by John Timms on this issue. So go on, put me to sleep. What, Start this? of a new arc. So mm. it's it's a lot of fun. We finished up the zombie stuff before, and now she's doing a, a punk band. This is also an issue that starts with the starting at the air, starting with something and then flashes back. So, but it, what it does, it starts with them on stage playing a, playing a song in, the, in the, their new punk band, and then it kind of cuts back and show the issue is forming the band. And it's kind of fun. So it starts off as a, a delivery driver coming to give her a package, something from Arkham. And these guys are in knight's armor on horseback come and, and rob the van. And it turns out this is a thing. They've been going around and robbing banks and 
post offices. They say banks and post offices. Weird combination. On horseback in knight's armor. But they're a thing. And it turns out some guy in the in the city hall thinks that they're part of this. They're actually this punk band, but they can't investigate them because one of them's the uh, senator's son or something. So they can't get close. So they go right. We need you to go undercover, and and they have to make a punk band and get gigs with them and, and investigate them essentially. And that's kind of it. It's just they, them going around rounding up the group. But it's a lot of fun. Some cool violent stuff as well. You know, uh, that, that red tool guy, he comes in on and um, he's d- smashing up a boat. There's some guy with sex slaves and he comes in and goes, hmm, my right arm's twitching after the, uh, that's the new one. He, you know, I, I mentioned before where he got the new arm and it was the serial masturbator. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's gone. Some nice violence of him How could stabbing people through the I mean, face. Yeah. yeah. So... All right, yeah, that, that that the gist of it. Did you enjoy it? Was it good? I did. It was a lot of fun. I, I think this was much better than the the zombie arc as well. Because oh. you know, it's just it just sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Punk I'm not going to lie. I hear Harley Quinn in a punk band, and I kind of I, I roll my eyes a little bit. But I get that. But I feel like Matt would have appreciated some of the stuff in this just just for the punkness. Because maybe, maybe. Yeah. But Matt's not here, so we we won't. We'll never know. Well, we won't. We will. Matt's gone to a better place. Aye, somewhere with food. Somewhere with food, probably. Yeah. Uh, so that's Harley Quinn, and that'll take us on to the final thing we'll be talking about this week, and that is Shade, the Changing Girl, issue one, uh, which is the second of the DC's Young Animal line, and this is a uh, written by Cecil Castellucci and Gilbert Hernandez, with art by Marley Zacron. Some interesting names that I do not recognise. And honestly, I think I nailed the pronunciations on them. Uh, you probably I don't know. know. You noticed I went a little bit slower because I was thinking about them as I was saying them because they were all more unique. Uh, I mean, other than the very first one, which you said Cecil, which just looks like Cecil to me. I'm pretty sure you pronounced that Cecil because Cecil's actually a name that I've heard. Yeah, I but I know, I, I've known someone called Cecil as well. I have never heard of someone called Cecil. I have, so... Who knows? What point do you want to make? Did you like the book, Connor? I did, very much, actually. Much more than Doom Patrol. Oh, God, no. What's wrong with you? I really like this. I really hated this. Oh, man. How come? Uh, first of all, I hated the art. I, I don't like the style at all. It looked like oh, a, I, I loved it. It looks like a kid's book. Like a kid's... Not, not a kid's drew. I mean like a kid's, like, draw... You know, like, storybook kind of thing. I don't know. I think it's very psychedelic. Mm. Appeals to me. I don't know. This... Like, you know how Matt got very... Like, I mean, I didn't get angry reading this, but you know how Matt gets very angry when he doesn't. He thinks something's unconventional and he got very upset with us during Doom Patrol discussion? Yes, we kind of broke him that week. Yeah. like I, I think I kind of feel a lot about this the way he did about that. Oh, no. I mean... I was similar to you on Doom Patrol. I was like, okay, it's all right. I like it enough. I want to see where it goes. This, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm just into this one. Hmm. I, 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 was it? What is it beyond the art that you didn't like? I don't know. I just like. I... 
I don't like the way the story's told. I don't think all that much. Like, because obviously, as as the issue goes on, we get the idea that this girl, like, uh, OD'd and went into some sort of coma. Yeah. One night with her friends, and this entity, this alien dude, is all I can really call him. He's got like a sort of a does have a name like Loma something something like that. He's got like a. It's like a bird thing almost. I'm trying to think of a specific. It's like a big pelican beak, but he's got. It is, like, isn't it? But he's got like a. What do you call those uh, colourful ones? The. Uh, peacock. Peacock, yeah. So he's got like peacock feathers coming out the back of his head, but then a, like a big pelican beak in the front. Yeah. But he's stolen this this jacket, uh, which I'm going to refer to as the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Um, from a museum that apparently has magical properties and <laughs> he then is taking over the body of this comatose girl um, and I don't know like honestly I think the art was my main issue I don't know I really liked it though I, th- I thought it worked really well for the story because it is a very odd story like I say it's it's unconventional it's, this, it's, it's an alien possession but it's not typically what you'd expect from that Honestly, I I think, I I think it's the way it flows more than anything else. Because I have no problem with stories about this kind of subject, and I have no problem with, with weirder aspects. But I just, it wasn't engrossing me as I was reading it. I was constantly going, "Eh, what is this?" Rather than going, "Oh, what's that?" I just I just kind of roll with it. I was like, "Okay, this is another thing." But I I got really into it, like really into it. I thought the art was fantastic. I loved the the colors was particularly great and there's some stuff that just feels weird for the sake of weird sake yeah some of it is but like there's like a panel when she goes into her bedroom you know when the possessed girl goes into her bedroom she pukes up more of the coat into her bed and her bed well, cover turns into this see i i got that as maybe that was something going forward like it's spreading and like because like, obviously this this coat has some sort of magical properties we assume right mm-hmm so if it can spread, what what can what else can it do? And does then the does the bed sheet now have the same properties as the coat? I presume it does, but that doesn't change the fact that it was just really weird and it just feels like oddball for the sake of being oddball. I don't Yeah. Like it's not intriguing me, it's not like a good mystery I'm like, oh what does this mean and what does that mean? It's just annoying me. Like that's See, all... I was the upset. I was like, Oh, what where's it going with that? Nah, um, and we both know Matt would hate this with a passion. Yeah, he said he was going to read it for like solidarity's sake. Until but... until he heard my opinion, and if I don't like it, then he knows he's really in for a hard time. <laughs> so he, uh, I think he's backing out. I think he might, and I'm not sure I blame him. It, it's definitely not a Matt book. Yeah, there's no chance in hell I'm reading issue two of that. I'll let you know that right I'm... now. Absolutely, reading issue two. I'll be honest; I didn't really read the backup that much. I kind of just skimmed it because I read the backup. No, when I finished that story, I had no interest in reading the backup. I was I was a bit pushed for time getting all my books read, and I uh, I, I skipped the backup when I realized it was only a couple of pages and it didn't seem to be connected. Uh, do about if you like it, by all means, uh, power to you guys. But I, oof, no, uh, <laughs> that did nothing for me. No, I loved it. Oh God, sorry. Oh, well, you'll hear about it from Connor next month then. Aye. Aye, you definitely will. 
there you go. Alright, so that, I guess, brings us to an end of uh, all the book reviews, which I guess leads us to panel of the week. Connor, oh, what was your... I forgot about that. Hang on. Oh, Jesus Christ. This is... Look, I haven't been here in a couple of weeks. You haven't been gone two weeks. You, you were here the week before last. Yeah, Wait, were here so last week. Two weeks. No, I wasn't here last week, because that was Luke Cage, so it was two weeks ago I was last here. Ah, so you've only been gone one week. Yeah, so it's been a couple of weeks since I've been here. <laughs> oh, I am just going to go to sleep, Connor. You, you... Do, do you want to just, just pick your panel and tell us that, and then I'll tell you mine? Well, I've not got mine yet. <laughs> so it's acceptable for you to not have yours, is it? No, I actually do have mine, but... I'm go on, what is it? All right, what's well, from Batman? It's uh, all the Clayface people like coming up behind them. Like I, I love that series of panels. It's like kind of it's it's like four panels rather than one, admittedly. But it's a good sense of building because like, you you realise something's happening, but you're not quite sure what, and it really makes you curious about the next page, which is why I like it so much. Because I got you get the sense that he's got a plan, as Batman often does, but you don't know what it is yet. Yeah, but you I'm can ahead of you. but you can see it forming. So it's that's great. Okay. I'm actually having had a quick flick through. I'm going to go with one of the ones I mentioned earlier, which is in Superman where they're flying through the sky and there's this stormy clouds and you just get this sense of they're quite small in this world. And okay. I, I just really like that panel a lot. Oh, fine choice. Uh, which leads us to our top fives of the week. Indeed it does. It does, doesn't it? Um, so... This was a really rough week because I feel like things are very even for like all my favourites. But um, I'm going to go with Nightwing issue 6 at the top spot. And then Superman issue 8 at number 2. And then Batman issue 8 at number 3. And then Green Lanterns, which I think is the first time that's made it onto my top 5. So mm, Me and Matt had it last time. Now it's your mm. turn. Unless you count the first week when there was only four books. <laughs> I don't think you can count it. Nah, I, don't think you, I don't think you can. That, that, that feels like stretching. But uh, yeah, so Green Lantern's at number four. And then. Actually, no, wait, no, I lie. I lie. I lie. Dead Man, Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love at number four. Green Lantern's at number five. Okay. And uh, my bottom would be. Yeah, Shade. <laughs> I knew or, you were going to say shade. Unless we're not counting that because it's a you know, animal and not part of the main pool, as it were. Wait, would you want me to pick another one? Yeah, go on. I mean, it's, I, know, I already know the answer. It's cyborg, isn't it? It is. It's cyborg, but <laughs> there you <laughs> go. All right. All right, Ginge, what, what's your picks? Uh, okay, so first I'm going to go Superman. Second, I'm going to go Deadman. Third, I'm going to go... Nightwing, four Green Lanterns, and five Shade. And then bottom is Cyborg. There you go. All right, there you go, guys. Uh, I guess that only leaves me with one more thing to do, and that is to tell you what is coming next week. And it's a big week because it's the second week of the month, and that seems to be the busiest week for DC uh, right now. So next week we have the finale of Night of the Monster Men with Detective Comics 942 
We also have Action Comics 965, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey issue 3, Deathstroke issue 4, The Flash issue 8, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps issue 6, New Superman issue 4, Suicide Squad issue 4, Supergirl issue 2, Superwoman issue 3, Wonder Woman issue 8, and then in Connor's Corner we'll have Red Hood and the Outlaws issue 3, and we will have also Doom Patrol issue 2. At least me and Connor will talk about that. Uh, Matt, not so much. So is there no Hellblazer next week? Could have sworn there was Hellblazer next week. Um... No, that's on the 26th. Oh, okay. I could have sworn it was that week with all the others. No, you're just making me... Well, I don't myself. trust your scheduling. My schedule has not been wrong yet. Well, I mean, other than that one where there was something delayed and then it was wrong because you didn't factor in the delay. It was delayed, like, three days before the Wednesday. You should still have known. In fact, at the time we recorded the episode and I told you what was coming next week, it hadn't been delayed yet. So, my schedule was accurate at the time of speaking. You should still have known. I miss Matt. <laughs> well, you can have him back next week. Oh, God, ginger people. I just don't know. Uh, guys, that's that's comics from the multiverse this week, and it's been probably the worst episode of the entire show because uh, it's just me and Connor, which is really depressing. But uh, let us know what you thought of all the week's books in the comments and stuff like that. Um, by all means, give us a like and a subscribe and all the other stuff. While you're on uh, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, whatever podcatching app that you happen to use, uh, helps us out a lot. We appreciate it. Um, get us on Twitter at mailed underscore fuzz. And of course, uh, it would be silly not to mention that all of the DC TV shows are in the middle of coming back. The Flash and Arrow are already back. Our reviews of that on the TV channel uh, on YouTube, which you're on if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, we've already reviewed those episodes. Supergirl and Legends of Tomorrow are back next week. And uh, and if you happen to enjoy Marvel TV shows, Agents of Shield's on, and we just reviewed every single episode of Season 1 of Luke Cage. So, Plus we do pretty much everything else that's half-decent on TV, it seems. Well, we do, but, you know, I'm, I'm concentra- just, just... concentrated plugging, you know. Yeah, just, just while we're there, go watch Westworld. Yeah, watch Westworld and Quarry. Quarry's criminally underseen. Quarry's a fantastic show. Yeah, watch it. But, uh, yeah, so that, that's us for the plugging. So, yeah, uh, thanks very much for watching and or listening, guys. Uh, we always appreciate it. And, as always, never get lost in the Speed Force. Music